Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Circular Business Podcast, a series where we look into circular economy from the Indian context. I am your host and host Shri Priya Sridharan and our guest for today is Anu Chaudhary. You know, Anu holds a special place in my journey into environmental sustainability. You know why? Because exactly a year ago, I was going through a transition period where I had made up my mind to be the front runner towards achieving the sustainable development goals. कौन सा रास्ता चुनना है वो डिसीजन तो मैंने ले लिया था बट आई वॉज एब्सोल्यूटली क्लूलेस अबाउट द एप्ट मोड ऑफ ट्रांसपोर्टेशन टू नेविगेट थ्रू दिस पाथ मेटाफोरिकली आई रियली डेंट नो वेदर टू वॉक द पाथ और टू टेक अ बस कार और ट्रक इन ऑर्डर टू स्टार्ट माई जर्नी एंड एज आई वॉज डूइंग माई रिसर्च वन फाइन डे थ्रू लिंगडन आई केम अक्रॉस अनु चौधरीज इंटरव्यू एंड हर फिनल वर्क एट सस्टेन प्लस and while watching i thought to myself uh, why don't i reach out to her and see if she would be willing to guide me through to my good fortune she agreed to do so and that's how my association with anu began i'm absolutely grateful to her for the time she committed towards guiding me which gave me a good understanding of the pros and cons and hacks of walking the path So all in all in addition to being a good human Anu is a visionary ESG leader who understands the mechanics that create real business value from socially responsible and environmentally responsible business strategies She founded Sustain Plus which is a sustainability and CSR consulting company in the year 2016 and today she operates as the CEO for the organization Considering the length of our conversation and the depth of the information this interview has been made into two part series for your convenience to pe der kis baat ki please join me in a conversation with anu hi anu welcome to circular business podcast how are you doing today hi shri priya i am very well thank you how are you doing i'm well too one thing strike me the most is that you have had a great and a pretty unique career journey and considering the timeline that you have been associated with the environment sector what i want to ask you is how did you come about choosing this career path well i've been in this domain for 20 years uh, shri priya um I don't know if I chose the path or the path chose me really uh, because I've just been doing this for for 20 years and that's a long time right yeah. uh, so my entire career has been dedicated to this I uh, was very drawn to so while I was studying I was always more interested in uh, anything to do with nature or environment and uh, or social causes I guess but at that time you know you can imagine 20 years back there wasn't really uh so much talk around uh around these issues especially not from business perspective so anybody who is who said that you know they were working in the field of environment uh it, it was a given that they were uh, either an environmental activist or an ngo and i did not want that either so i wanted something different something more um and not to undermine any work that you know anybody else is doing but uh just something which 
makes more sense uh, for the economy as well or for the business as well and you know i would just wanted to integrate the two somehow i i never liked the fact that these were considered considered as two separate sets or entities you know uh, and they were always uh, you know working against each other rather than working together i um, my first job was in the us where i was working with an environmental ngo and uh, I, they were working together with uh, ford motor company and we were uh, we were you know helping them with their water conservation environmental awareness and trainings uh, sort of projects uh, while we were also as as the nonprofit uh, was also working with the city um, we, we were also working on some projects with with children and you know general awareness and i guess that was my first uh, encounter uh, with um, you know practically implementing uh, environmental solutions and then i was working uh, with uh, with the unfccc for a very long time united nations framework convention on climate wow. change and uh, so uh, i think that gave me the real kick you know where i felt really good about all these projects that we were doing and you know promoting uh, how we were able to extract value out of uh, a community development project or a renewable energy project translate that into carbon credits and then help companies you know overcome those financial challenges that they may have in um, shifting towards cleaner technologies and then uh, it was also you know somehow the right time to be in that space because it just took off around 2004 2005 it was at its peak and uh, in 2002 is when i joined climate change and it was like just the right time and i got this exposure internationally because in india fortunately or unfortunately you can say that things hadn't you know taken off uh, so well uh, in india it was the people were still skeptical about this most of the work that was coming in was uh, from other countries well there was still this lack of awareness that you know you can actually conduct business in a profitable manner while also following cleaner practices what helped me was that for the first 10 years or so most of my work was outside of india and i was then able to bring back that knowledge and that experience in india throughout i have been working with the gold standard foundation and the unfccc so these are at the top of the pyramid policy makers who are bringing in new standards new uh, criteria and guidances as to how you can make that shift towards being clean and being green and how you can also leverage uh, that impact for the, for your benefit i guess that helped tremendously uh, shape the career uh, you know 20 years down the line and then while i was still working with these organizations i also uh, then switched to the private sector i was heading corporate sustainability and csr uh, in a large corporate and uh, then you know i could just um, somehow blend these two Uh, together and that's where i felt that there was this huge gap in understanding how a policy or a standard or a regulation around environment can be translated into economic value or business sense mm-hmm. you know how do you make sense out of it and uh, that was uh, really troubling me uh, and i was then you know contemplating so i had been in in uh, a job for 15 years it wasn't an easy decision of course but uh, i just thought that i have to bring all of this together somehow and being an advisor or a consultant or a coach to these organizations was the best way of doing it 
so yeah, here I am doing what I wow. want to do. <laughs> That's been quite a good journey. Huh? Pretty interesting because at such a time um, when not you don't have much examples around you, especially being from India at that time, like you said, it's not such a common subject to take up. So who was your inspiration to go into this journey and keep at it? So one thing I do have to say is that my dad never pushed me into any particular domain or I mean, knowing that I was doing well academically, uh, he, he, uh, he would give his advice and he would just say that, you know, now you pursue your interests and, and see what you want to do. And at that time, uh, IT was, you know, booming yeah. and, uh, you know, so everybody was uh, moving towards that. And I didn't want to do that. That uh, I was very sure of what I didn't want to do. I wasn't really very sure of what I wanted to pursue as a career. Also, I was not sure if I could make a career out of something like this, out of climate action and sustainability. Who had heard of it at that time? When I said exactly. I'm uh, you know, studying climate change or I'm working in climate change, people would ask me, uh, okay, how's the weather going to be tomorrow? You know, oh my God! Studying climate change, so that's how I, that's how bad it was. So you can imagine, uh, and and even now for the layman, it's it's not a very well understood term, right? So that's what we are trying to change. Thank you for being that trendsetter, especially in our country, which is much needed now. And I'm sure your start probably a decade back has given you the head start and also to all the other businesses yeah. associated with you. So uh, tell us about uh, how did Sustain Plus come into being? Uh, so there was this, uh, you know, a lot of uh, confusion or um, uh, confusion, yeah, I would say uh, in the private sector around how do you actually prepare yourself for, for what's coming? Uh, there were organizations which wanted to work towards sustainability, but they didn't know how. There were organizations uh, which misunderstood the whole agenda of sustainability because they thought that it was something, uh, some sort of liability or, you know, uh, penalty that they were, uh, you know, being asked to pay for uh, being profitable, which is certainly not the case. So uh, I think this I needed to change that perspective one organization at a time and that's what we're doing. So basically I wanted to tell everyone that looking at sustainability does not mean that you just look at your impact on the environment or the society or you try to minimize that impact. What it rather means is that you of course uh, you know uh, understand your footprint but you also understand what is the impact of the, these elements on your business. And you prepare yourselves for that risk accordingly. So, so that's the kind of perception we need to change. We need to make that mind shift rather where, you know, people start understanding that it's your own sustainability we are talking about. We are not talking about planet, uh, planet survival or anything. I mean, the planet will survive very well without yes, us. Uh, it's just that we will get wiped out. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, because if we don't behave ourselves, we will get wiped out. So that's how it is. And that's the uh, that's what led me to this. And um, uh, having worked with the policymakers at the international level, I also understood a, a huge drawback that, you know, they come up with all these brilliant ideas and policies, but they don't really translate that into business strategy or business language terminology. It's no wonder that the private sector or the business um, 
uh, you know, stakeholders are not able to understand how it is beneficial for them and also how to do it. So someone has to help them with that. Uh, the government also comes up with a regulation overnight and they expect everyone to comply. Yeah. Uh, take, for example, CSR. So it took about three to four years for CSR to even take off because pe- uh, companies couldn't understand why should they part with 2% of their profits? Why is it right. necessary? So uh, so if you communicate the right intent behind it uh, and you also guide them how to do it beneficially for them as well, you automatically get them on board and you know you you don't uh, face so much resistance anymore because they, now they understand the value behind it that's what led to sustain plus uh, it's been 4 years wrought with challenges throughout highs and lows uh, you know on both the extremes but it has been such a fruitful journey it has been so good there's never been a dull moment i somehow f- uh, you know felt after 15 years that um things that i was doing i was not learning as much my learning curve had kind of you know stagnated somewhere but when i started sustain plus it's been an upward journey uh, experience wise learning wise growth wise definitely and uh, also when you see at the you know at the end of a project journey when you see the difference you've made that really you know gives you that sense of gratification as well as pride that you got the opportunity to do it and you made a difference that's how it is <laughs> that's that's awesome because yeah i think your uh, client reference list itself gives that feel of how your journey has transformed over the years and it's really commendable since you shifted from a journey as an employee to now an entrepreneur how was the transition like did um did you ever question your path somewhere in between like ah वापस जाना चाहिए कि नहीं बिकॉज ऑन्टरप्रिनरियल जर्नी इज चैलेंजिंग सो इवन वेन आई वॉज वर्किंग इन अ जॉब इट वॉजेंट ईजी इट वॉज इट वॉजेंट अ सिंपल नाइन टू फाइव काइंड ऑफ रूटीन दैट आई फॉलोड इट वॉज क्वाइट चैलेंजिंग एंड आई यूज टू थिंक दैट आई आई वर्क हार्ड बट वॉट इज रियली यू नो वॉट इज हार्ड वर्क रियली वॉट आर चैलेंजेस आई हैव रियली कम टू रियलाइज दैट आफ्टर becoming an entrepreneur and taking this plunge so i would say taking the plunge was probably the easiest part of you know of the of the entire journey you would say that you know taking that decision is the most difficult one but it was uh, so i had been contemplating and thinking about it and i was just so restless in my in my last job you know i was just i just wanted to do more and uh, i didn't want to be you know limited by you know obviously when you're working with a large organization there are so many limitations and you have to work within that those set boundaries i didn't want to do that anymore and i wanted to do more and i just took that plunge uh, everybody almost everybody around me told me that i was being foolish uh, you know leaving such a great job and a big organization and a group and you know starting right from scratch again uh it was just my husband who you know really pushed me to do that uh, so when you have a family you know you have to consider all your responsibilities your lifestyle that you've built over the years and everything and it's not an easy decision to make but so one of us decided to take that plunge and uh, thankfully uh, in the first year itself uh, we got some very good reputed clients who i had been working with who had either uh you know worked with me directly or had heard about my work and wasn't um so difficult to get my first projects 
and from then on it has been a continuous um, upward growth for the company because uh, we really dedicated ourselves 100% to what we were doing whether a project was big or small uh, we never you know once we got into doing it we we didn't bother about our deliverables or you know the boundaries within which we had to work we just gave it our all and i think that really helped uh, build that confidence in sustain plus that our, uh, you know our clients were able to give that value no it was if we were doing a reporting it was not just a reporting it was much more than that in the end you know the credibility that you are able to build through the work that you do and it doesn't really matter whether you are one of the big fours or you know a small boutique sustainability organization as long as you're able to do a good work so yeah to get back to your question i've never thought of going back to a job not until so far uh, if i were to go back for years i would again take the same decision no matter how hard it is but it's it's a beautiful journey uh, wow <laughs> i hope you have changed the opinions of all the ones who said you're foolish probably you're hungry and you're foolish <laughs> i think that that is more inspiring <laughs> yes i hope so you've been helping businesses to bring about a sustainable transformation right for almost a decade now so could you help us understand how a focus on environment strategies can bring about real business value uh shripriya i mean at this point it should be uh, it, it's in fact much easier to understand the synergies between environmental responsibility or social responsibility and business uh growth uh now you take for example the uh, recent regulations that have come in for example a lot of uh, manufacturing organizations have got this cap on their water usage uh, most of the clients that we've been working with uh, i would say 70% of them were not prepared for this and this has come as a huge shock and imagine those industries which are dependent on water you know hugely for their operations and have not looked at any water savings water conservation or any other sources how would they how would they uh, comply with this so uh, some of the uh, medium scale organizations in fact had to shut down for about 6 months to prepare themselves to keep up with these uh, regulations so obviously they had not done their risk assessment so the first thing that we talk about when we uh, you know speak with our clients is why don't you do a proper risk assessment or risk and opportunity assessment rather uh, for all your environmental and social impacts because tomorrow these uh, i mean if you are uh, if you're just complacent today and you keep operating as uh, usual uh, you will uh, be in a lot of trouble later on once these regulations come in and the government doesn't really give you a lot of time to prepare yourself for it so initially we you know we used to get this a lot uh, from uh, especially indian organizations unfortunately where they would say we've been operating like this for 50 years nothing has happened so far we've been doing well why should we even talk about this aspect uh, which is so wrong because times are changing very rapidly uh, i think the positive impact of covid is that people have suddenly realized that it's not just your own uh, performance that matters in the end it's also uh you know all these external factors can play a huge role in your survival and hence yeah. it's important to evaluate all these risks and integrate them into your business strategy 
when it's still possible to do that. Uh, otherwise, you will have to pay a huge price. Uh, I guess that is what helped. We are also talking about carbon tax, which many countries have already implemented, which might come to India anytime. So uh, organizations now at least have started looking into their carbon footprint. Uh, so far, they weren't even aware of that. So uh, although, you know, we've been talking about carbon for 20 years, when, you know, uh, or more than that since the Kyoto Protocol came in. But it was it was always considered as something parallel to business, but not never, you know, integrated with business. So that is what we are looking at now. We are helping organizations understand what their uh, footprint is in terms of waste, in terms of energy, water, carbon. So any kind of impact. Uh, and then uh, once they understand the footprint, that's step zero, right? And from then on, you, you at least have the awareness. While you're doing the footprint, you also understand what the sources are. Where are the hotspots in the organization? What is it that you need to look at first? Also, where are the lowest hanging fruits uh, that you could, you know, uh, just reach out to, uh, which you could, you know, issues that you could address within the organization without really uh, having to make a huge investment? So, you know, so these are the, I think these are the challenges that organizations uh, started anticipating even before they ventured into sustainability. So they always, you know, think about uh, the huge investments they will have to make uh, in a new technology, for example, or, uh, you know, how they would have to change their entire system or, you know, operations or processes if they have to achieve something, which is so not true. So that's a completely wrong perception that organizations have. Uh, th those are, in fact, the very last uh, steps that we take. Uh, before that, there are so many other things that you can do. And that is what we help organizations identify. If you are, you know, making an uh, investment of 10 rupees and you're getting a return of 100 rupees within a year, why wouldn't you want to do that? It does, just doesn't make any sense to not pursue it any further. So once you start showing that value, you obviously, you know, get them on board with the entire sustainability agenda or being a responsible business. So how does it feel to give that report card to people like, Dikho, here, here is where you stand. <laughs> so uh, it's a great feeling when you're able to add value. Uh, yeah. But let me also tell you, I have worked with uh, a lot of large corporates. So you've seen our client list and a lot of them are highly evolved companies in terms of sustainability. So working with them is not only a learning experience for us, but also that gives even more uh, um, sense of uh, achievement, I would say, when we are still, so when an organization is completely green, carbon neutral even, and even after that, we are able to identify areas, you know, of course, in collaboration with them, nothing can be done without, you know, their cooperation, where we are able to identify even more, you know, areas where we can work on and bring more value. So, and that's like an eye opener for us as well as, as well as for them that, okay, this was something right here and we never, you know, thought about it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also sustainability is, is a field which, you know, it's, it's, it's very dynamic. It keeps evolving constantly. Uh, thankfully, there are, you know, more and more startups coming into the field with some very innovative solutions. So uh, there's always something new to try. It never gets boring. You can never say that, okay, I am completely sustainable. There's nothing more that I can do. So that will never happen, right? There's always things so, to work upon. <laughs> what was that ca a cap on water, the regulation you spoke about? Could you just uh, 
help us understand in layman terms so uh, in karnataka there was this uh, gap uh, that had come in about in 2018 or 7 i'm i'm really not sure when the regulation was yeah. uh, came into force but when it was implemented strictly uh, was in 2017 18 Okay. okay and uh, there was uh, suddenly in certain kind of industries there was this cap that you have to reduce your water usage by 60% which wow. is huge yeah so that's when some of the small and medium organizations had to shut down for some time okay just to manage that 60% just to manage that yes okay oh my god is it a pattern ki kabhi bhi government intimation hi nahi deta what they are planning just suddenly new policy abide by it is that so either that so that has been happening where new regulations have been coming in overnight uh, but more than that what is happening is uh, there have been regulations which we have completely forgotten about i mean india has uh, i mean when you just look at the regulations we have a pretty robust system uh, you know of environmental regulations but they were never implemented so nobody ever took them seriously Uh, yeah. in fact when you look at the legal registers of companies sometimes you, you would find some very important environmental regulations missing because they say that you know uh, uh, pollution control board se koi aata hai they take a round and they give us this approval uh, to you know license to operate basically for the next year and it doesn't yeah. really matter so why should i be looking into this so unless there is a strict implementation a regulation means nothing it's just something on paper you know so uh, now what is hap- what is happening is because of this uh, because of so much noise around being responsible and you know governments being uh, not being um, uh, not taking action or you know all this bureaucracy and corruption around you know this there's more awareness amongst general public also uh, no business even if they are just operating in india uh can limit themselves to uh to the domestic environment they are still prone to attacks from anywhere around the world right so it's it's out in the open now it's yeah. uh, it's global so any business if they want to say expand uh, scale up uh, there could be uh, there could be a huge amount of risk that they are facing because the moment your community you know your neighboring community for example or the village that you're operating in uh, realizes that you're wanting to scale up they are so much more aware of their rights now so they can start making uh, noise about the negative impacts that your business is perhaps having uh, there could be one person who is aware and he could just go to the media and talk about your business so i mean there is there's so many risks now which you uh-huh. were uh, not prone to earlier uh, now the governments are also under a lot of pressure to implement these regulations so i wouldn't say that all the regulations are new but some of them are being implemented only recently although they have been around for 20 years you know so are there are there any regulations around um, circularity or circular economy or maybe it is not even called circular economy but how would what are those regulations yeah so there are so many regulations now so we've been talking about plastic waste about epr and uh, so so there are so many regulations now again talking about epr there has been so much confusion around it because the government brought out this regulation without much of a guidance around it so everybody was confused i have had uh, you know clients coming up to me and asking how do we implement this they haven't given us any i mean there's just this law 
but then how do we implement this what is the process and by when do we have to do it so there is also no no timeline attached to it which is so strange so now the epr act has been revised and there are a lot more there's a lot more clarity around these very basic questions which should have been answered right in the beginning and uh, also uh, when you talk about plastics for example these regulations were implemented without so much of research done on alternatives so there was a ban on plastic bags uh, overnight uh, yeah. literally isn't it and people were struggling uh, as to how do they carry their stuff around because they don't have anything else so uh, right. uh, instead of uh, i don't know if this is some strategy or policy at the government's end but i have seen that it doesn't really work very well if you don't prepare your audience for what's coming right uh, you have to take into account that all these stakeholders uh, whether it's the it's a general citizen or it's a company or an organization i mean unless you give them a packaging alternative what are they supposed to do stop their operations altogether that's certainly not practical right, right. so uh, so with these regulations there should be a proper guidance which comes mm-hmm. in and uh, there should also be uh, you know enough research going behind it uh, so that you know you are um, you are able to see what is the impact of a certain regulation on on economy otherwise what happens is uh, two months down the line you have to take back the regulation or you have to ease it out you yeah. know uh, so it doesn't really have that impact and nobody is winning in this you know when there are so many more uh, environmental pos- environmentally positive products out there why not promote them why not make them mainstream first and then implement these regulations or do yeah. it together so absolutely that good point because banning something kisi se kuch le rahe to kuch alternative dena bhi zaruri hai na otherwise it yeah, is yeah. implementation just goes bad but all these regulations actually promote circularity that's the yeah. bottom line but uh, it, it seems like they just forgot to mention that somewhere you know Right. Uh, so if only uh, you you ban a certain item but you also say that this is how in fact you can uh, benefit out of this regulation you can start using this much cheaper much more um, environment friendly product you know and and that's where you bring in circularity you also tell these um, manufacturers of these banned items how they can still survive you know by uh, shifting towards cleaner technologies or reusing their uh, the, the waste that they are creating so so there's so much that that can be done it's i mean there's so much untapped potential and i get very emotional i think about it when i start talking about it because i just can't understand why are we not doing it Uh, there are such easy solutions out there and all we have to do is bring bring in all of that knowledge together on one platform i'm not saying it has to be one digital platform or 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 anything but we just have to bring all of these different stakeholders together so that you can actually benefit out of each other's growth yes rather rather than you know shutting people down and shutting companies down absolutely not being sustainable <laughs> taking a uh, taking code of extended producer responsibility epr is it applicable to each and every producer or only certain specific industries a certain specific industries for sure uh, you know like plastic manufacturers but overall uh, it is going to be implemented throughout throughout industry okay okay i see 
tells me now wasn't that fantastic. I liked how Anu identified a huge gap in public understanding of how a policy or a standard or a regulation around environmental sustainability can actually be translated into economic value. And she leveraged that as an opportunity not only to build for herself a new career path, but her eye for detail paved the way for starting Sustain Plus. And like she mentioned during the interview, the planet will survive very well without the human race. Therefore, we need to behave sustainably and take measures towards climate action to ensure our own survival. You know, with changing times, just vowing for sustainability is not enough. Businesses need to be future ready. They need to evaluate external risks and integrate them into their business strategies to avoid potential losses that could be incurred due to resource constraints and new and sudden environment regulations that are implemented by the government. So on that note, it's a wrap on part one of this interview. If you like this episode and want to hear more such content, then hit subscribe. It is free and it only means that you get every episode automatically. We at Circular Business Podcast work consistently each week to simplify circularity for everyday conversations. Therefore, if you feel some topics need further simplification, then reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook and even Twitter and we'll be happy to extend our support to you. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you soon in the next episode.